Uh, that was quite something about Isaac Watts, wasn't it? BJ, you hear that about the Greek? Did you hear that? Yeah. All right, Ivan, you too. <laughs> wow. Hey, praise the Lord. God's been uh, God's been moving, and we want to keep in step with Him. We have up on the wall now our uh, uh, missionaries. Um, we have uh, pictures from most of them. Some of them that don't that haven't sent in their picture yet. Let's see if I can do this. Uh, I think that's the prayer card there, is it? Is that a prayer card back there? I know. Is that a prayer card? It's hard to see from here. That looks like a prayer card. Is that a prayer card? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a couple that have prayer cards on them, but um, they've been working hard getting getting the photographs up over there and uh, over here on this side as well. Uh, also up here, you'll notice that we've got uh, this slogan here, reaching the world through missions. Now, this is very interesting. I just want you to see this, that uh, you see, reach, and then it says each. Each one, reach one. See that? Also, we got our sister Hing's name in, in, in that. Uh, that should remind us to pray for her. Reaching the world through missions. Now, that's an interesting word, through, because if you take the TH off, you got rough. But when you add TH, it changes. Isn't English a strange language? Through and missions through missions, and that's exactly what we're trying to do. Now, did everyone notice the red line? All right, here's the red line, folks. Look at that. Isn't that cool? Now, just above the red line, just about an inch there, I can't see it from here, but there's another teeny little red line, and that is this amount here, 98.13. So we're almost at 98.13 for our very first month. How does that sound? Pretty cool, amen? Yeah. And so um, other pastors have heard with amazement what God has done uh, in our little church. And uh, they're so happy for us. And we're getting calls from more missionaries too. And so that's good. That's exactly what we want. We want to get God's money out there where it can do some good and support those missionaries to take the gospel on our behalf all around the world. That's pretty exciting. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight and open up to Genesis for our, our study tonight. We've been looking at some of the, the names of God. Now, tonight we're going to be in Genesis chapter 15. Chapter 15. I want to tell you a true story here. Um, it's about a guy in France. He's a Frenchman. He goes by the name of Crazy Eric. That's his chosen name. That's what he goes by. And uh, he's been entered into the Guinness Book of World Records for the unusual ability of carrying on his body more than 1,300 useful objects. Did you hear that, my dear? Now, she sometimes laughs at me because I like to carry my pockets full of little odds and sods that I might need along the way, like a little magnifier, you know, a little thing for my glasses. I've got a couple of other little things, nail clippers and things that I once in a while have need of. And I just put them in my pockets. My wife laughs at me because <laughs> I have all these things in my pockets. But they do come in handy. And uh, I don't, I'm not as bad as Eric. Eric has 1,300 of these items that he carries around on a regular basis. Now, um, 
They call him the human Swiss army knife. Uh, he's uh, an electrician and he lives in Lyon, France. Now it all began with a backpack. First of all, it was a screwdriver he carried, then a pair of scissors and then some snack bars just in case and a flashlight. But soon the backpack became too heavy and he decided to integrate things onto his body. And the result was a suit of clothes weighing 33 pounds with a tremendous assortment of pockets. And I'm gonna show you a picture of this in just a minute. A tremendous assortment of pockets, folds, and attachments that uh, put any one of those 1,300 items within immediate hand's reach. He included also a shaving kit, a comprehensive first aid gear, a mini saw, a blow-up mattress. You never know when you're going to need one. Spare batteries, a change of clothes. How about that? How many people carry a change of clothes with them? A water pouch? a water filtering unit, a soldering iron, a tape measure, a digital camera, on it goes. Put up that picture for us, would you? There, that's his jacket. That doesn't show you all 1,300, but that's his jacket opened up. Isn't that something? Imagine if I had to put that in my, my jacket every day. Eh? I'd need a couple of hours every morning just for that. Oh, there's the water pouch down here. Wow. Uh, I think that's candies over there. I'm not sure. They look like cigarettes or cigars. or I'm sure it can't be, but anyhow, you can put that away. Now, um, here's a guy, Crazy Eric, and he wants to be ready for any situation. That's why he's done it. He wants to be ready for anything. Now, I suggest to you that there's a better way. I suggest to you that you and I don't have to go to these lengths to be ready for any given situation. We have something else. As Christians, as believers, we have something available to us that far beats the human Swiss army knife. And what we have available has way more than 1,300 attachments. It has thousands and thousands and thousands. I'm not sure if, the, if it ends all of what's available. And uh, it's in, here's the secret, it's in allowing God to be the Adonai. That's the name we'll be studying tonight, the name of God, the Adonai. The secret is in making God your Adonai. Now let's bow for prayer and then we're going to get into the study. Our Father, once again, we humble ourselves before you. And the more we learn of you, Lord, the more amazed we are, the more fascinated we are, the more awestruck we are at your greatness. There's just no end to your wonder and to your power, to the things you can do and the things you know. Oh, Heavenly Father, forgive us for being so, um, uh, Father, what's the term? Living without you, living on our own, living apart from you, living uh, some kind of uh, self-sufficient life and not being dependent on you more. We, we miss out on so many things. Lord, help us to depend upon you and learn day by day to love you all the more and adore you and follow you fully. Please bless our study. Help us open the eyes of our understanding on this subject. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I believe it was last week that we studied um, um, uh, El Shaddai. And uh, if you'll remember... I did a little check there on the internet and there's all these different companies and products that go by the name El Shaddai. 
Well, I did the same thing for Adonai. Wait, why not? And here's what I found. Adonai charcoal briquettes. That's over in South Africa. Adonai golf tours in also in South, South Africa. Adonai's Weimar runners, that's a type of dog. Weimar runners, a dog. That's in Colorado, USA. Adonai martial arts in Clarksville, uh, USA. Adonai International Bible Institute, that's a charismatic outfit in Sacramento, California. Adonai Media Group in Washington State, just below us. Adonai Machine Shop in Palmdale, California. Adonai Computer Services, uh, just down here in Washington, Vancouver, Washington. Now, um, the Old Testament Hebrew word for capital L, little o, little r, little d, is Adonai. And... Um, what does this name mean? Well, Adonai is, is always translated uh, as capital L, little o, little r, little d in your King James Bible. That's how you know it's Adonai. It signifies ownership. Adonai signifies ownership or mastership is another way to put it. And it indicates the truth that God is the owner. God's ownership spans the globe and God is the owner of each member of the human family and all that is in the world. He consequently claims unrestricted obedience from all the works of his hands. He even said in the scriptures, all souls are mine and the soul that sinneth it shall die. No other name applied to God is more definite and more easily understood than this one. Now, something you need to know uh, right off the bat is the name Adonai is plural. Plural. Remember Elohim? We studied that. Do you remember that? Yes. Elohim is plural. El is singular. Elohim, plural. Adonai is plural. It's used over 300 times in the Old Testament. And it refers to God. It points to God as the Lord of Lords. And there's also, I think, an implication of the Trinity in that name Adonai. Now, Adon is the singular of Adonai. Adon is singular. And it's almost always a reference to a human Lord or a human master. It is used over 200 times and it refers to men. Now, um, just keep your finger there in chapter 15 and turn a page to chapter 18. Uh, let's see if I can find this. Hmm. All right, chapter 18, look at verse 12. Here's uh, Abraham's wife, Sarah. This, Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, now she was 89 at this point, shall I have pleasure and my Lord being old also. Do you see that word Lord? That's the Hebrew word Adon. And so that is uh, what Sarah called her husband. Now that would be in the context of him being the head of the marriage, the head of the home. That concept has not changed. That's the way that God has designed 
marriage. Now, I know that there's a lot of abuse that goes on um, between married people. A lot of married people abuse each other and withhold due benevolence and that sort of thing. And they stray far from the biblical model. But in the biblical model, where the husband is the head of the home, he has control over the, the marriage. The wife lovingly submits herself to the husband. And when they're both doing it in the fear of God, then it works. All of a sudden now, the wheels start turning. Things loosen up. Things work the way they're supposed to. I think that Abraham and Sarah had a pretty good marriage. And I don't think that Abraham mistreated Sarah at all. And so here, by faith, uh, she called her husband Lord. Now, the implication of Adonai, we'll go back to Adonai. The implication here is lordship means complete possession. Now, it's like the two sides of a coin. Come to think of it, I preached about the three sides of a coin not long ago. Anyhow, this coin has two sides. Uh, on the one hand, or the one side, you have complete um, possession. And on the other side, you have complete submission. This is the concept of Adonai. You've got on God's side, complete possession, and you've got on our side, complete submission. Now, God is never unjust. The devil rushes to tell us, oh, don't do that. Don't submit to God because he'll grind your nose, you know, into the pavement. He'll walk all over you. He'll use you for everything. He'll make your life miserable. That's just the, a lie of the devil. God is a loving God who loved us so much that he gave the very best he had for us. And what Christ experienced on the cross for you and I is proof positive of his great love. He is not going to be some kind of monster, some sort of hard taskmaster. Not at all. He is meek and lowly in heart. And we, we are safe to submit ourselves to God. And so God is not an unjust master and he will never ask us to do anything that we cannot perform and he never requires a task for which he does not equip us to be able to uh, perform that task as his servants. So in other words, everything that God asks us to do is good and just and can be accomplished as we trust him uh, to enable us to be able to do what he's asked. Now, faith promise is a good example of that. As you know, what we do in faith promise and our conference is we resubmit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ. You remember this? We do this every year and we submit ourselves once again to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it's essentially, Lord, tell me what you want me to do. I am your servant. You tell me what you want me to do. Use me, Lord, this year in a wonderful way. And if we pray that way and we seek the Lord, he will answer us and say, okay, great. This is what I want you to do. He lays that on our heart. And then by faith, we go ahead and do it. Now, if God were to lay an amount on your heart that you're not used to, maybe it's a higher amount and you're wondering, oh, is this possible? Can I even do it? If God has told you to do it, you can do it because he'll also give you the grace, the power to be able to do it. This is the concept of Adonai where he tells us, all right, you're going to do this and I'm going to give you the power to be able to do it. So this is the implication here. Now, a few years ago, uh, a 67-year-old woman was flying from England to Florida for her daughter's wedding. And on the airplane, she suffered a heart attack. 
the stewardess realized that this woman needed medical attention. And so she got on the uh, little microphone there, the little telephone they use, and she said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a, a lady here who appears to be in medical need. She may be having a heart attack. Is there a doctor on the plane? Fifteen doctors stood up and offered their services. Now, that doesn't happen every day. Apparently, these doctors were on their way to a doctor's convention in Orlando, Florida. They were all on the plane together. And this poor woman, I think her name was Fletcher, and she was having a heart attack. And so these 15 doctors, you know, came and, and just looked after her perfectly. Uh, when she landed, she spent a few days in the hospital, but she was able to make her daughter's wedding. So, you know, it was a happy... Uh, but boy, was she ever excited to be that well looked after. Can you imagine if you had a, a medical need, say uh, you were in the department store or grocery shopping or something, and all of a sudden you had a medical need and 15 doctors were right there just all around you. You'd feel pretty well looked after, wouldn't you? Well, this is the whole idea of God. And as we submit ourselves to him, to Adonai, to the Lord, to the master, as we submit ourselves daily to him, he puts angels around us and he's there. And it's better than the human Swiss army knife. Anything we need, he's got. It's almost like a magician who can pull just about anything out of that black hat of his, right? Only with God, it's real. Um, and so anything, anything, anything that you might need, God has prepared for it. He knows. And right at the right moment, you're going to get it. Uh, if you look back over the years of your, your, your walk with God, your Christian life, you'll see instances where God supplied supernaturally for you. And God is that kind. You know, we don't need God to pull rabbits out of hats every single day of our lives. But it's sure nice to know that as we submit ourselves to the Lord, to the Adonai, as we make him Adonai of our lives, that every day, we're looked after. We're protected. That's good, no, good to know. Amen? That's good news. Now, uh, let's go back to chapter 15 of Genesis. This is the first time we have the word Adonai used in the Bible. Genesis chapter 15. And uh, please look at verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord. Now, you see all of the, the capitals there. Uh, that indicates what Hebrew word? I think somebody said it. We're a little quiet tonight. Somebody scream. Jehovah, yeah. That's Jehovah. All of the capitals. That's Jehovah. So after th these things, the word of Jehovah, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield. Now this implicates the power of God, the Elohim. Then he says, And thy exceeding great reward... Again, implicating the El Shaddai, how God provides. Verse 2, and Abram said, Lord, there's capital L, little O, little R, little D. That's the Adonai. And then you'll see God all in capitals. You see that? The God all in capitals is also a way they wrote Jehovah. So Adonai Jehovah. So God comes to Abraham and he says, fear not. You know, I'm, I'm the hero of the, you know, I, I'm everything you could possibly want. And so then Abraham now turns to God 
and calls him Adonai Jehovah. And, and Abraham knew what he was doing. He used that expression Adonai on purpose. He just didn't say Jehovah or Elohim. He specifically used Adonai. Abraham knew what he was asking. He knew what he was doing. And so he said, Adonai Jehovah, what wilt thou give me seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. Now consider this again for a moment. The depth of meaning in Abraham's reply to God when God says, I am everything for you. He said, basically, Adonai, what will you give me? Now, Abraham himself was an Adon. Remember that? Adon, that's little L, little O, little R, little D. He himself was a Lord, a human Lord, so to speak. He had a lot of servants. He had a lot of wealth. He was at the top of the pyramid in his little circle. He really was the Lord. And if he would cast someone out, they'd be cast out. If he commanded something to be killed or even someone to be killed, they were killed. They were put to death in his little circle. He was at the top. He was a human Lord. Now, Adon turns to Adonai. And he says, what will you give me? Seeing as I go childless. So, um, the master exercises complete and total possession on the one hand. The servant exercises or demonstrates absolute submission on the other. In addressing God as Adonai Jehovah, Abraham acknowledges God's complete and perfect right of possession to all that he had. Abraham was acknowledging, God, you own everything that I have. All that I have belongs to you. You are the Adonai, the supreme owner of everything, and I am your servant. Now, let's take a, a look at a couple of verses only at this um, word. And, um, you know, it's used over 300 times in the Old Testament in reference to God. We'll just look at a couple of them. But let's go over to the book of Judges. So after Joshua, Judges, and we'll go to chapter 6. We have here in chapter 6 the story of Gideon. And uh, Gideon here was uh, number 6 on the list of the judges of Israel. And if I have this right, he was about 40 years old. Yeah. According to 8, chapter 8, uh, ch chapter 8, verse 28, it says, uh, uh, what does it say there? No, I'm sorry. No. He, he reigned for 40 years. I apologize. I couldn't read my own notes. I guess I'm going deaf and blind. But <laughs> chapter 6, and verse 15, we have Gideon praying to God. <clears throat> and he said unto him, O my Lord. Now, you notice Lord. What Hebrew word is that? Adonai, right. 
So he says, O my Adonai, O my Lord, O, o Master, the one who owns everything, me and all I am and all I have, everything. O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Gideon acknowledged God's ownership. And Gideon was being called of God to serve God. Just like you and I are called of God to serve God. The smartest, the best, the first thing we ought to do is acknowledge his ownership. That's why every day when you get alone with God in your little prayer closet or the corner of your house or wherever it is that you have your quiet time with God, it's good when you get to prayer to acknowledge his ownership. Acknowledge that you belong to him. That's very critical, very important. But anyhow, this is just an example of that. Now, if you turn a couple pages to chapter 13, we'll just take a look at another one. Here's another man, and he had a famous son. Chapter 13, <clears throat> do you know what the son's name was? Someone said it. What is that again? How come the left side is answering all the questions tonight and the middle and the right are so quiet? Hmm? Yeah, anyhow, let's say his name together. Samson, right. Samson. That's the famous son. Now, what's the father's name? What is it? Manoah. Manoah. I wonder if he was any relation to Noah. Huh? Manoah, Noah. Sounds a little the same. What do you think? Could they be descendants? Who cares? Uh, chapter 13 now and verse 8, we have Manoah and he's praying to the Lord. And so uh, Manoah entreated the Lord, now look, all capitals, that's Jehovah, and said, oh my, what's the next word in Hebrew? In Hebrew, Adonai, right. So he entreated Jehovah and he says, oh my Adonai, let the man of God which thou didst send. Now that was the angel that came. Let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah. And so Manoah basically prayed God's will because that's what God hearkens to. God hearkens to his will. Uh, Thy will be done. That's what we, we want to know is, Lord, what do you want done? That's the whole idea of prayer is to uh, uh, see to it that God's will be done. Because God's will is perfect and it encompasses everything. And so here's Manoah, the father of Samson. And right away, what's he doing? He's acknowledging God's ownership in his life. And that he belongs to God. Um, there's so many others that we could look at. But um, let's go to the New Testament at this time. And we'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> now this is so very important that we, we really catch the significance of this. Um, The significance of God's name is so important in our lives. As we learn about God with his name of Elohim, we realize his tremendous power. 
and that he really holds all the cards. He has all the power. As we learn about uh, his name as El Shaddai, we learn that he not only can, but wants to supply our every need, uh, just like a mother uh, with her newborn supplies every need. So also God supplies our every need. Here tonight, we're looking at the name of Adonai and it's his complete ownership. It's so important we do that because as we do that, all of a sudden now, everything lines up the way it should. And when things line up the way it should, then God can lead us and everything starts to, to flow. Sometimes we have this, this expression in English where we say, get all your ducks in a row. All your little quack, quack, quack ducks. Get your ducks in a row. Just like the, the mother duck and behind her, you can have uh, five, six, seven, eight, you know, little ducklings. And where she goes, all these little quack, 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 quack. You know, they all follow her along wherever she goes. And that's the idea. And God's out front and we get behind him and we kind of follow him along. So we've got to get our ducks in a row, you see. As we acknowledge his ownership, more than just his leadership, his ownership in our lives, then things start to come the way they should. And by the way, there's a great sense of peace. When you and I start to get ourselves submitted to his ownership in our lives, all of a sudden, the peace comes. Say, where does that peace come? It's a result of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. What's the next one? Peace. Right. When you feel God's peace, it's because the Holy Spirit is filling your heart, your soul, your life. And that's what we need. We, li we live sometimes turbulent lives. Sometimes we, we go Monday to Friday and it's just, ah, let me off. You know, the stop the world, I want to get off. It's, it's a rat race out there. Last night, there was a shooting in Surrey. Did you see that in the news? It was just over here in Newton. Did you see that? Well, <laughs> guess who lives in one of those houses? one of the ladies in our daycare. And um, look at this. She doesn't know the Lord yet. And we love her and we're praying so much for her. But she was about to go outside, go to her car. Her phone rang. And her phone call tied her up for three minutes. And in those three minutes, the shots were fired outside. And a stray bullet could have, you know, found her. Look at the protection of Almighty God. Isn't that something? And I said to her today, I said, I said, you need to start reading the Bible. And she looked at me and said, yes. <laughs> Isn't God amazing? Isn't he good? But none, you see, he, he didn't have to do that for her. I kind of think that he's watching out for her because I kind of think she's going to get saved. She's going to come to know God as her personal savior. And God sends angels, I think, to watch over us until we can get saved. But now once we are saved, we need to have the smarts to always submit to his leadership and his ownership. Now that's so, so important because if we miss a day of that, it's going to all of a sudden throw us off. Now many, many of you here use the keyboard uh, you type 
at the computer. How many type at the computer? That's almost everyone, right. What happens if you are one key off? What happens, you know, what is it that you type? It's called gobbledygook. <laughs> it's garbage. You know, you could be looking at something and you're typing away, you know, normally what's here, you know, comes in up there, everything is fine. But if you start just one key off, that's all it takes. How many have ever done that? Ah, that's honest people and the rest are <laughs> too shy to admit it. Yeah. Well, anyhow, all you have to do is miss a day of submitting yourself to God and things are just not going to run right. And when that happens, the little red flag should be jumping up. What's going on? What's going on? <gasps> I didn't submit myself to the ownership of God, to his leadership, to his lordship in my life. I didn't do that. And then you need to pull the bus over and you need to get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please take my life. I belong to you, Lord. I am your servant. You do that and then things start to come back together. See, that's what you do. It's just like when you're typing and all the gobbledygook, ah, and you look down, oh, that's the problem. You have to stop. You got to move your hands over and start again. And so if you miss a day of submitting yourself to the Lord, it could be, wow, the very day you didn't want to, to miss that. Maybe it's going to be an important day and things, instead of going tickety-tickety-tick, are going smackety-pow, you know, smickety-smack, and things aren't going right. And it could be because you have failed to submit yourself to the Lordship of Christ. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'd like you to look at verse 19, and I want you to read it out loud with me. Here we go. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Now, let's read verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There's his ownership. Absolute ownership of your life, of my life. So we have to keep that in mind. That we don't own ourselves. We've been bought. We are a purchased possession. We belong to God. So that's very important. Now, the uh, English equivalent to Adonai is the word Lord. When the translators came to Adonai, they had to translate it into English. And so they chose the English word Lord. And I've explained this to you before. The English word Lord means the guy who holds the, uh, the bread basket, the keeper of the loaf. In other words, he's the guy who decides who gets to eat. You get to eat. Here's some bread for you today. You get to eat. Here's some bread for you today. Oh, you're not going to eat today. And I'm going to hold back my bread. You're not going to eat. You're going to go hungry today. The Lord had that kind of power in the life of the servant. He controlled essentially who lives, who dies. That's the idea of the Lord. Isn't that in, incredible? That, that much power? Yet that's what the word means. We, we think of, you know, Lord, oh, that's kind of an affectionate, you know, like mom or dad, right? Lord, oh, it's more than that, folks. It's more than that. It's our very lives, the breath we, we breathe. If, you know, your, old, your heart, right, is just 
click, you know, pumping away, pumping away, pumping away. Well, who keeps it pumping away? The Lord. All he's got to do is just that. It just stops pumping. And plop, down we go. That's it. You know, we grip our chest. You know, we get a look on our face and down we go. That's what happens. Because he holds that much ownership in our lives. Isn't that scary? And yet that's biblical truth. He is the Lord, the Adonai. God alone has the right to tell us what to do. And at the same time, he provides us with the ability to accomplish what he's told us to do. If God tells us, get up and go over there, he'll provide the ability. Case in point, they brought the paralytic to Jesus. He couldn't get up. Men would say, get up, get up. He couldn't get up. He had no power, no ability. Jesus said, rise. And he rose. Take up thy bed. He took up his bed. Walk. He walked. Another case in point. Lazarus, dead in the tomb. Nothing is going to bring him back. But Jesus can. And so he turned to the people and he said, roll away the stone. The first thing they did was give him an argument. First thing. Lord, he's been dead four days. He stinketh. But then after that, oh, well, nevertheless, at thy word. And they rolled the stone away. And then he he called Lazarus, come forth. Did Lazarus obey? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Because why? Because Jesus is Adonai. Jesus is Lord. So powerful. So much power that Jesus has. Wow. I would love to have been there that day, huh? We're going to get to meet Lazarus in heaven. And our first question is going to be, what was it like? <laughs> Tell us all about it. We're going to get a cup of Tim Hortons or something and sit down with Lazarus and say, okay, now tell us all the details. Tell us how you died. Tell us what happened after you died. Tell us what it was like when you came back to life. Tell us. Jesus had the power to make it all happen. Now, the New Testament response of the Christian is present our bodies a living sacrifice. Remember that out of Romans chapter 12? And be not conformed to this world, but be ye, what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That is the normal, natural response of the Christian to the sovereignty of God. Now, also, if you would please turn to the right, to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll be done. Ephesians chapter 4. This also is expected of us. Ephesians chapter 4. Every time someone becomes a member of Grace Baptist Church, we go through a little ceremony and we give them a certificate. And in the certificate are printed three Bible verses. Here they are here. Chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. Let's read them out loud together. Chapter 4 of Ephesians, verses 1, 2, 3. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
If more Christians around the world would do that, there'd be less fights. Less fights at home, less fights at church. There'd be no church splits, would there? If all the Christians were endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, there would be no church splits. There would be no business meetings that go bad and all that kind of stuff. Things would be, things would be nice. And that's our mandate uh, in the scriptures. And that's also our mandate as members of Grace Baptist Church. And we put those verses in for 19 years now. We've been putting those verses in every membership certificate. Now you and I, we're going to bring this thing home here. You and I need to submit to the one and only, to the owner, and that's Jesus. We need to submit to his lordship. Not once a year. Oh, you mean sacrifice on consecration Sunday, that first Sunday in January. You need to do it then too. But every day of the year, 365 times a year, you need to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Very, very important, very key. He's our master, our Lord, our savior. And we need to do the things that he asks us to do while on earth and trusting him to give us the power to accomplish them. And God always does that. I've tried to make sure that I would never preach and ask anyone to do anything that I wasn't willing to do. I, I wanted to make sure all my preaching was biblically based and whatever the Lord wanted, whatever he said in the book is what I, I wanted to share with brothers and sisters at church. And I wanted to be able to say, thus saith the Lord. And I want to be at the head of the line to submit. Every day I, I want to get on my face and submit to him. I think that's the way to be. And I think if we did that, I think things would go better for us. You know, researchers used to think that pigeons, you know, pigeons, when you release them, they fly home. They call them homing pigeons, right? And they've used them for, I don't know, forever. Uh, you know, for thousands of years, they've used homing pigeons. Researchers used to think that homing pigeons had a built-in uh, kind of a navigational magnetic device or something that would tell them where north is and how to get home. They figured that's it. It's built in. Until a couple of smart researchers over in England took a teensy-weensy GPS and attached it to the homing pigeon. Well, actually, they attached it to several homing pigeons. And then they were going to uh, watch them by satellite. And sure enough, they, they released these homing pigeons, you know, a long, long distance from, uh, from their home. They, they drove them way out someplace, and they released them, and then they got on their machines, and from satellites, they started watching the homing pigeons. And you know what they found? The homing pigeons did not, you know, sort of make a beeline for home. That's not what they did. What homing pigeons did is they, they went up, and they, they got a a view of where the roads were and the uh, railroad tracks, and they followed the roads. They could see it on the GPS. The birds were following the roads and the railroad tracks, and that's how they got home. <laughs> Did you know that if you will follow this book, you will get home? Did you know that? If you will follow what God says, you'll, you'll enjoy life so much more Things will go so much better for you. It all goes back to Adonai, the supreme owner. So how about it? What will you do now that you know this?
because you, you, you're responsible for the truth. What will you do with Adonai? Let's pray now together.